passion wins. That's the, that's the underlying thing that almost every successful person has is this unbelievable passion. Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. I just recorded this episode with Lee Roper, University of Northern Iowa assistant coach, and I usually wait a few weeks to drop these episodes, but I cannot wait. This is an all-time great podcast, and I know we released Tom Brands on Tuesday. We released Dan Gable on Wednesday, but this one goes much deeper than just wrestling. This is about life, and this is about when we're in those tough spots that we're all in, right? Whether it's a marriage breaks up, which is the case for Lee. His wife left him, and then he was kind of left to his own to figure out and pick up the pieces, and he found wrestling, and he found Cliff Fretwell, and he found Doug Schwab, and all of a sudden, he's got a life of purpose. And so that's what this one's all about. I'm just going to leave it at that. No fan of the week, no nonsense. Let's just get you to the interview with Lee Roper, who, again, is the assistant at UNI. He's been there for about a year and a half, and before that, started Compound Wrestling with Cliff Fretwell, which is one of the top wrestling academies in the country and certainly the top one in Georgia. And you know, he just kind of turned his love for wrestling into a career. And then now he's a coach at UNI. It's an amazing story. Hope you enjoy it. Peace and love, folks. Happy Friday. Lee Roper, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Good morning. Hey, man. Excited to be on. I'm a, I'm a big fan, actually. I listened about everything you put out and i've really enjoyed some of them like man obviously brands and gable that stuff's been awesome to listen to but man chris perry that might be my favorite piece of wrestling content i've listened to in a while that interview was awesome and bella glazoff was great some of the perspectives he gave so i'm pumped to be on man i'm a big fan i can't tell you what that means to have a division one wrestling coach listening to the show is is beyond my dreams so thank you sir i appreciate it i appreciate what you do man Um, good stuff so you have just an awesome journey. You're just a diehard wrestling fan and obviously a wrestling coach, but I think you're, you're also just a huge fan of the sport. So you're now the assistant at UNI. Before that, yep. you ran the comp or co-founded and, and helped run the Compound Wrestling Academy or Compound Wrestling School down in Georgia. How did you, how did you get to UNI? Um, well... I, I found out something about myself. So, man, I had some awesome years. It was about a decade with Fretwell where we were kind of ripping and running and really 
making a lot of mistakes and learning a lot, not just about wrestling and coaching, but a lot about ourselves too, right? That's my dude. I mean, I'm as close as that guy to my real brother. Like, he's family. So we really had a good thing going there. And, man, the gym was going great. Financially, it was going really well. But I learned that I loved the process more than anything else, right? So we had an unbelievable year, 40-something state champions, sat down kid state tournament in the corner for the finals didn't get up the whole time and we had kids about every single weight class in the finals had super 32 champ like man it was just a really great year and i was as restless as i've ever been in my life and really didn't understand why some reflection later on i started to identify the builder in me that's what i enjoy so my first thought was okay let's see if i can recreate this the culture we've built in this place in a wrestling power state, right? Like take it to Pennsylvania, take it to Ohio, take it to Iowa, take it to a place like that. Hold on a second. And I've gotten in. Yeah, Why, yeah, yeah, go ahead. As an Illinois guy, I'm personally offended. You don't mention Illinois in that list there, Lee Roper. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I didn't is I'm also strategic too. And the market had been kind of cornered in Illinois because, and I guess I could have gone to Southern Illinois and given a really good shot and uh, given it a roll down there. But, Man, the Chicago area where a lot of the powerhouse schools are and population too, right? There's some really good clubs there. Some people that I had learned a lot from through the journey of in the club scene. I mean, one of the very, my first, the very first piece of help that I ever got was I just emailed all the clubs right when I started, right? And this is when Bournette was crushing it. He had a world team member at every level. Crushing Um, it, dude. The overtime school wrestling was so big. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I, so I sent out a bunch of emails to people and he was fortunate. I mean, he's kind enough to send me a response back and just, I call myself the Bob Ross of wrestling. Like I'm just full of happy little accidents in my wrestling <laughs> career. So I've gotten to meet him later on and thank him for that, but gave me some great advice. So that's kind of one of the reasons I stayed out of Illinois a little bit. I thought the market was cornered, but there's no doubt, man, it's an unbelievable wrestling state, especially now that I'm over here by it. But to get back to the story a little bit, I was going to move to a wrestling state, man, to where I thought I could really still do well financially because that's what was paying my bills, right? You got to have that concern as much as I love the sport. want to keep the power on. And Doug had been one of my guys for a while, so I called him for advice like I did with a lot of things. And gave me some advice with that and wanted to know where I should put it in Iowa and those things. And I don't know, a few hours later, he sent me a text and he's like, hey, man, if you're making a move, I'm interested in giving you a job. I don't know. It was one of those moments, man, where life kind of comes full circle and faith is a big part of my life. So it was just a move. I knew in my heart that I needed to make this move and I needed to be around Doug every day because it was going to catapult me to levels I really didn't even understand. So, I mean, it really, I'm a pretty calculated guy in life in general, but it was a split second decision that I, I made up my mind sitting on my back porch in McDonough, Georgia. I'm about to move to Iowa. And man, it was a tough conversation with, with Cliff. Cause like I said, that guy's my brother. And then guys, I really grew up with coaching and wrestling, like talk about it being my life. It really is, man, that I'm so close to a lot of these people. It was, it was a tough time, like separating from that, but man, it was just one of those things that I knew I needed to do and ended up packing all my stuff up in three little cubicles and mailed it to Iowa. I actually lived in Doug's basement for about six months. Those are the kind of people to swap. No way. Just like, yeah, come on out. Oh, they're unbelievable, man. So I didn't have any of those concerns to deal with. It was just full speed ahead, man, getting on the Panther train. And it's been, it's been a great move, man. I've grown as a coach and a person so much since I've gotten up here. So 
that split second decision that I knew in my soul that I needed to make, man, it was the right move for me. Well, that's amazing. And I know the state of Iowa's got to be happy to have another wrestling man like you up there. But you really lived in the Schwab's basement for six months? Yeah, it was a while, man, before I found the place. And they're, uh, I mean, they, I can't tell you the amount of people they've done that to. They're just, man, they're just amazing people, the whole family, not just Doug, but his wife, Allison. They just have the biggest hearts I've been around. And, man, love this team and love the sport so much. And they're just willing to open their door to people, man. Our, our strength coach lived in their basement for a while. Like, it's just been, that's just who they are. If somebody has a need, they're going to help them out, whether they know them really well or not. They're just really gracious people and two people and their boys and girls, too, that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have in my life on a daily basis. He seems like one of those guys where, and, and the family, right, and, and, and the wife, too, but especially Doug seems like the kind of guy where if you're on his team, you really are family, and he cares about you way beyond the mat. Oh, that's, there's no doubt about it. And that's why I knew him really well before I made the decisions. One of the reasons why I knew, man, I can get on board with what this guy was. I just have an unbelievable amount of belief in him. Like, man, I had a really good thing going that I was a big part of starting it from scratch. And it was kind of part of me, right? And I left it all to go be part of what he's building. That's how special a man he is. And that's one of the things like people seeing like my increase in social media uptick, right? I want people to see what I get to be around every day, man. I'm just living a such a blessed life, and I know the impact it has on me. I want to share that with some other people so they can see the amazing people that are part of this program and not just coaching and staff and administration, but also the character we have on the team as well. It's a really cool place, man. Like I said, I'm sitting in the room right now because it's my fa- about my favorite place on earth. This might be the first podcast ever recorded where the guest is in a wrestling room. I love that. <laughs> well i'm here most of the time i still most of my life in this room so that's probably where you're gonna catch me so are you doing the compound in i or are you just solely focused on you and i right now no it's uh it's just too big man i had some thought about doing that before and really when i came up here i didn't even really know what my job was going to be and i didn't care i just wanted to be part of what doug was building if that was help out at the rtc and do a club in town great man and had an opportunity to come in and start working with the team and man it was just great anytime i can get on the mat and have an impact on young men and women i'm pretty pretty happy with myself so man, it was just a fit that worked out great and then our relationships kept growing and then i got to know randy and brett robbins and some of the other people that are around and they're just as amazing as doug was so it was just a like i say man one of the best accidents to happen in my life is i'm very fortunate to be here i'm smiling right now sitting in the room that's unbelievable they you and I is definitely on the rise, and I, I love Doug Schwab there. That's like that's a job where I don't see him using it as a leapfrog for the next job. Like That is his dream job, and I think it's just great to have someone like him at the helm of a, of a school that used to be dominant, right? When it was called Teachers College and, and Rob Cole's dad was there, they were, they were one of the top teams, and so it's great to have them kind of back up in the mix, and, and the fact that they're in the Big 12, also a great sign. So I, I'm just a, a big fan of it. And they get a lot of Illinois guys. Josh Albers yeah, we, uh, was a right. stud in Illinois. One of the best. And it came from a small school. And so I know he wrestled at UNI for, for a number of years. And then Jacob Schwarm is actually was in my wrestling club. Uh, my brother and I started a freestyle Greco club called Outlaw Wrestling Club. And it ran from like 2008 yep. for five years. But Schwarm was in that. Uh, Wagner was in that. So those guys are just uh, um, awesome kids. I-, I love that. 
Yeah, both those guys actually just walked out of the weight room maybe 20 minutes ago. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're yeah, man, they're good people. Schwarm's he's one. Schwarm's one of my favorite guys to be around. Not just his personality too, but his warm up. If you ever get a chance to watch Schwarm, 10 minutes before the opening round of the tournament starts, he transforms. He goes from being this just relaxed, happy, go lucky, funny. I mean, that dude's so funny. He cracks me up all the time. And then he just, you can see it. His body language changes. It's one of my favorite things to watch him turn into one of the best competitors on the team. And it's just, like I say, about a 10-minute transformation that guy goes through. And it's just, I'll put it out there for people to see here this year. But it's just one of my favorite things. I'm going to miss it a lot after that dude graduates, watching him go from mild-mannered swarm to a really bad man on the wrestling mat. Dude, and he was so intense. You know, so intense like that. Another guy who used to wrestle for you and I, who I was close with, Logan Ryan, who... Oh, yeah. The level of just natural wrestling talent that kid had was just oozing out of him. He was so freaking good, and he was happy-go-lucky, too. I, I just love that, love those guys, and I, I kind of just now made the connection that they all were at UNI at some time. Yeah, Logan, man, I really, I wish I'd had more time around that guy. He had a very unique style. I, I compare it to, like, Ironside, uh, incredible hand fight and physical pace, but most of his attacks were below the knee, low single, cross ankle, pretty good ankle pick. So he had kind of a really rare style that I hadn't seen many people replicate outside of Ironside. So mm-hmm. and he was fun to work with for a short amount of time. And unfortunately, he had a lot of back issues. So we couldn't train the way he wanted to. I mean, he just one gear, go 100 miles an hour. But yeah, man, he's a great personality and just tremendous wrestling talent. Really was. Wish I had more time with him. No question. Now, what's your, I'm always fascinated, kind of routines and habits and tactics. What's your day in the life like as a Division One wrestling coach? Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, man. I'm very routine based and uh I've been pretty much I've had a morning routine. It's changed over the years for about a decade now to where I get up and I go through a certain process in the morning and part of that's to get better, right? You have to stack up a whole bunch of days to make improvement, but it also is like priming for the day. It, it just gets my mind ready, it gets my heart ready and gets me moving in the right direction. So, I normally wake up fairly early, not and time? I don't really set, I don't set most mornings. It's going to be six o'clock, five thirty, somewhere in there. Right. I don't have to set an alarm unless I have to. I've been trying to do a better job about letting my body sleep when it needs it. Um, I love this sport, man. I just love it so much. I can't put in enough hours and I've been known to put too much hours into it. So when I wake up, I wake up and then start my day. Like I take my dogs on a hike and it's kind of my uh, decompressed time. I don't really think about anything active. I try not to have a plan when I go out there. I just let my mind do what it does, right? So it's kind of warming up, getting ready for the day. And I come back in and then I get my journal. Um, I've got kind of a Ernest Hemingway habit where I stopped my journal entry the night before, kind of halfway through, and then I pick it up the next day, kind of mid-thought. I let my subconscious work on whatever I'm working on at the time or writing about at the time, whether it's a issue on the team or a piece of technique or something in my own personal life. Uh, so I get in that, and then I caffeinate myself heavily. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big, big fan of caffeine. It's a performance enhancer for mental ability. So I do that right after, and I try and keep that healthy and make it only coffee. But energy drinks are a weakness for me that I'm trying to quit. But trying to get on some more all-natural caffeine, but I caffeinate myself then. And then depending on what day it is, I've got some tasks I do. So like on a Tuesday, Tuesday's a really heavy recruiting day for me. So I get into things I have to get done on that end. Do I need to watch some film? 
financial plan, some of those things in there. Some days are technique days, one day's team needs day. Friday is my like rabbit hole days, what I call it. So as I'm doing whatever specific task I have in the morning, I just have a notepad on the side that, you know, man, you get those distractions, right? The rabbit that runs off and instead of chasing it, I just write it down and then I go chase that rabbit on Friday. So that's my day to kind of get in the weeds a little bit. But depending on what day it is, I got a task I have to report, perform. And then most days, eight thirty, nine o'clock, I'm into the gym and start getting on whatever Doug's got for us for the day or individual practices or meeting with a guy for lunch. Because, man, I tell you what, especially coaching at a smaller school, it's not any different than running a business. It's uh, You're a small business owner when you're a college wrestling coach and you got to put on a lot of different hats. So get in there about nine o'clock and start putting on those different hats throughout the day. And that's where a little bit of chaos comes in my day. And I've gotten more used to that as time's gone on, but I'm very regimented, but that chaos helps keep things fresh for me and keep me excited about the day. Cause I really don't know nine o'clock to five o'clock what the day is going to hold. And then three thirty, normally on the mat every day with either the team working out or an individual guy or just wrestling myself. It's how I stay in shape too. So that's about a day in the life for me, man. It's a whole lot of wrestling. And then, after practice, I go home to the most wonderful wife on the planet. It was actually in Gable's podcast, man. I I, I thanked my wife last night because he, he talked about wrestling is his life, right? But the danger with that is got to have people around you that wrestling is their life too. And Man, my wife is not only the most supportive woman on the planet, she loves wrestling maybe more than I do. She works at the Dan Gable Museum. She got a dog named Sanderson. Like I've, she just loves the sport, man. She's been in it. Her dad was a coach. She's been in it for her whole life. So I found the right woman that has the same addiction I do. And we're just neck deep in wrestling all the time. If people come home and see what we're watching at night, they'd laugh. We're, <laughs> we're watching film and she's right there with me and she's studying old wrestling and put posts out for the museum. It's just, man, she's about as big a wrestling nut as me. So it's about nonstop wrestling in our life. And we love it that way, man. That's how we grown close together and it's part of our relationship she's a wonderful woman she uh she i owe so much of my success and not just success but happiness to her too man i had a uh, some rough situations when i was a little bit younger in my adulthood and she put me back together through it that's probably part of where my obsession for the sport comes from with some of that pain earlier how do you mean so out of college, man, I had a pretty decent college career, but I never performed to the level I could. And it was the mental side I was missing, right? I didn't have really any guidance with that. And I've kind of got a different mind than a lot of people. And I just needed some help, man. Maybe that's one of the reasons I love Doug so much, because he was the kind of coach I needed. That whole picture coach that's not just worried about technique, but your whole life. But So my career didn't go the way I wanted to and disappointed like most guys are, right? The more you're around it, you realize it doesn't matter how much you win, you're going to have some of that disappointment. So kind of had that knife sticking in me from wrestling and did a little bit more damage than I thought. And then the, I ended up getting married out of college to a girl I dated when I was there and she was just the wrong woman, right? Ended up having some things in her past that I really didn't know too much about. Those things came back up and she just left to put it simply. And that man, it destroyed me. How old were that was you one of those things, happened? man. I was probably 26. And so your wife just, yeah, you're right. Like 26 to 27, somewhere in there. And she just took off, man. And that, Man, it messed me up pretty bad. I think that's probably where my obsession for getting better at coaching came in. Um, From that pain, you hear a lot of people talk about that, right? I think about uh, the Dawn Wall, a documentary I love, and his obsession for rock climbing came out of a bad relationship and the pain it caused. You just dumped that pain into pursuit, right? And I got fanatical about it. Shoot, Gable. I mean, that's part of his story, right? The fanaticism came out of some pain in his childhood. 
so part of my obsession that I still have today came from that. And that's one of the things, man, I'll never be able to thank my wife enough for because she took all the broken pieces of Lee Roper and put them back together to this pretty happy, healthy guy that's loving what he does every day. So, man, just had those unfortunate things. And, man, that's one of the reasons I love wrestling, man. Because not only is it my life, it saved my life. It got me through those things. It kept me grounded. It's, man, I grew up listening to talk about living a life of service and this is my service this is what i do man this is my life it's me it's everything i just i can't get enough of it sometimes that goes too far and it becomes a little bit of a disease but that's my own balance that i have to find in my life right no question man gosh there's so much to to peel the onion back there on first of all i love the don wall it's one of my favorite documentaries the fact that those guys lived in that tent hanging off that wall for like a week and a half is insane to me yeah, and actually, man, that's kind of where I got tuned in to some of the stuff you put out. We read and listen to a lot of the same things, and it just there's been some connections there, man. I've been, uh, I was on and still am on the journey you're on right now. So uh, there's a lot of kinship there, man. And I'm watching what you're doing and how hard you're working and how much you're hustling. And uh, there's a kinship there, man. There ain't no doubt you love the sport too. Love it. And what you guys did with Compound, starting it from from just an idea in your head to being one of the most widely known clubs on social media as well as in the country. Like forget about social media, but what you guys do specifically with social is really something to model model myself after. So I, I appreciate all you guys have done, especially opening up here on the show. Um, I did not realize that the Dan Gable Museum handle is your wife because yeah, that's, that's, that's my inc- wife. That's incredible. I had no idea. Yeah. <clears throat> And actually, when you were so talking, you can kind of you can kind of see what our life looks like, man. It's a whole lot of wrestling. Exactly, exactly. And I was thinking as you were telling the story about when you're sitting on your porch in Georgia and you just up and decide to leave. Immediately in my head, I go, well, "That's pretty cool." The guy didn't have a wife; he could just leave. So, did she come with yeah. you, or did you meet her in Iowa? No, I, we were pretty serious then too, and it was one of those things. Like, man, it sucked because I thought that was going to be the end of us, right? But I'll tell you, man, I, there were some things before where I fell in love with my wife, but when she left, she knew nobody out here. At least I had Doug and Allison and a wrestling team, right? She had no connections out in Iowa at all. And she left everything she had, her family, her friends, her social group, like the past she was on for school and her future plans and came out here. And that's a level of commitment and trust and belief that I try and follow now. Hmm. the fact that she had that much love and care for me, man, I just, I don't even know how to describe it. Right. I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe that. That's what did she just showed me how much she loved me. And that's, she's a special woman like that. And now she's carved out her place and getting her life out here. She loves it just as much as I do. How important wrestling is out here. It's a big part of her life. So it gets you yeah, man, that was a, that to was a think tough about. consideration. Oh, she's man. I could talk about her the whole podcast right she's just such a important part of my life because i'm man i i this is what i do like i don't have a whole lot of other hobbies i don't have a whole lot of other interests the more i dive into it the more all that other stuff fades away so man i have to have a wife that's into that too right or a relationship won't work and i'll tell you man i hadn't talked about it a whole lot before but i'm big about sharing demons that was a fear in my life so when i really committed myself to being a coach and i made it it was a like a 
really sit down, tangible commitment I made that this is going to be my life's work and I'm going to see how good I can get this. And I have goals. I want to be the best coach ever, right? I'm chasing Gable. That's what I'm doing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I'm trying to go after and do and get better at this. So I've committed my life to it. And I thought at the end of my life, I was going to be pretty lonely because like you got to make some social choices, right? Like I wasn't going out and trying to find that person that you're going to spend your life with. I just didn't socialize like that ever. I was getting better all the time or trying to at least. So I thought I was going to have to sacrifice some of those things later in life. And then here comes this amazing woman and just, man, she just fit right in with my craziness and obsession over it and supports it. And when I have a bad day and don't want to get up and get after it, she's got a way of smacking me in the face and getting me going. So she's also part of my accountability too. She She's an amazing woman. Well, you've uh, definitely made a tremendous impact on the thousands and thousands of kids you coached, and you're definitely going to make an impact on the folks listening to this just just by kind of sharing those demons, and because uh, everyone has them, right? Everyone oh. can look back in their past, especially their 20s, and be like, "What the hell was I thinking?" And so, yeah, no kidding, right? It's it's incredible that. That uh, your wife's along for the journey. I got a girlfriend I've been dating for about eleven months. She knows nothing about wrestling, so I'm slowly trying to bring her on board. But it's a tough, tough thing to do, man. So, was your wife always into wrestling? Yeah, her brother was a pretty good wrestler, and her dad was a wrestling coach, so she grew up around it. And I tell you, she just a she's a person with so much love in her heart. She's uh, she'll would have nine hundred foster dogs and four thousand foster kids if we were able to do that. She's got a lot of love in her heart. So she developed a love for the sport at an early age. I mean, it's one of her earliest memories is being at a wrestling tournament. And I mean, she's been around it ever since. That's how we met. Like, I tell you, man, the craziest thing I've ever heard of, and her friends have backed it up. So I'm a lot older than her. She's eight years younger than me. And I was coaching in Georgia at the time. She was sitting up in the stands and told one of her friends, I'm going to marry that man. And she was pointing at me. And then come seven, eight <laughs> years later, we're, we're married. So that's the kind of woman I'm married to, which – like you get to know me a little bit better, you'll see how much well that fits. Cause I'm the same way, man. I make a decision and I full speed ahead on it. And I'm not going to take a step back. She was the same way. She just went after me like that. And I'm so glad she did. That's awesome. I love people who are obsessive people. And yeah. a lot of people now say that's a bad thing. It's a detriment, but I think that's, in, that's insane talk. I mean, everyone who I look up to has been successful. They've had a single minded focus, but the relationships in life are really important, right? If you go through life with no friends, you're going to have a pretty miserable life, no matter how successful you are in your chosen field. And so there's such a fine balance between having, you know, four to five people who are super important to you, you know, those relationships. But that's right. You know what I mean? Because you can't be a lone wolf the whole time. You're going to no. you're going to be a miserable person. And even if you go to like where my mind immediately goes to, right, and everything's like get better, you, you're you going to hurt your improvement. You have to have people around you that support it, right? You're not going to knock it out of the park every day. You have to have a support system. Well, Everybody and to learn does. from them, right? It's like you can't learn Absolutely. everything from you know, just being by yourself. You have to be around other people. And so, again, I think it's just it's such a fine balance. And you know, I don't think anyone has it figured out perfectly, but there's certain people we can look oh, up that- to. That's the truth, man. I, nobody's got it. Nobody's got it nailed. Nobody does. But I'm sure, man, we read a lot of the same things. You're some of the five people you're around the most. And I've been pretty strategic about those moves I've made in my life, too, man, because you do. You, you pick up those qualities, good or bad, the people you're around the most. And 
that's what I want to show people. The group I get to be around every day, man, is one of the reasons I continue to get better at this, and I love it so much. Around some amazing people. No question. And, I mean, the Schwabs, who wouldn't love to be around that guy every day? I mean, and even his brother, Mark. No kidding. Wow. You know? You talk about wisdom, man. I learned more from that guy. I only was around him for maybe eight months, right? And he's a pretty, he's an introvert. He doesn't, he's not one of those guys that's going to seek you out and give you a bunch of stuff. But if you're around enough, you'll catch him in the right mood. And some of the talks he had, that's really formed a good bit of my coaching philosophy. There's so much knowledge there, man. It really is. So much wisdom. And is Doug an introvert as well? Um, I think naturally, probably, but because of his job, he's developed uh, a lot of social skills to where I mean, he's got a, he's a public figure, right? He's the head of a, we're trying to be a national championship program. So you can't be the head of a national championship program and not be a public figure. So I think it's something that he's developed over time. And I know he's talked about it. I picked his brain on it because I'm an introvert by nature too. So I know it's the skills he's worked on, but like you leave him to his own devices, he's probably going to keep to himself a pretty good bit. Sure, sure. Now, it seems like a lot of wrestlers are are probably, I don't know, it's hard to generalize, but I just think of some of the, the best, the guys I've looked up to, and they are they kind of key to themselves. That's why someone like a David Taylor or a Yanni is so fun, because they, they are a little outspoken. I think we need that. Um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with the, the, the Matt McDonough's of the world who just freaking grind. And maybe they are, they are um, extroverts when you get to know them. I don't know them at all, but... You, there's 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 obviously two ways to get it done and there's no right way now before we before we keep moving on throughout your coaching career i have to go back because sure. i'm just fascinated go ahead no go ahead I'm okay just following you along so you. when you i know i'm sure it's an extremely painful memory to dredge up but um i think everyone's had those so back in your 20s your your marriage falls apart how long yep. until you decided or what was like the turning point in the the months after that to where you got yourself back right and focused on your next passion? Like how long did it take? Um, it was it was probably several months because the first thing I did is I went to the bottle right yep. and I just drowned all the pain and all that booze. And uh, one, I learned some lessons about myself there too. I I don't have an off switch, so it's like how many beers are you going to have? Well, how many are there? Right, so. That's one of the things I learned about myself. Alcohol is a very, very, very dangerous drug for me. Um, one, I have a hyperactive mind that makes my mind quiet, so I sleep better at night. And it's just something I've decided I don't get to enjoy in my life. And I try and share that with people, too, because a lot of wrestlers have that same mode, right? It's like how many, like, all the way. That's the fanaticism and, and wrestling. It's a character trait, right? It's not just wrestling. It's something that we possess inside of ourselves. So really, once I got a handle on that and I realized, like, what am I doing, right? I was, man, I have unbelievable parents and my grandparents are just great. And it was really from talking with them a little bit. And they kind of took me back through, like, the course of my life and the things I've done and things you can be proud of. And it's a skill that I got. I use it coaching now, too, when guys are in a, just kind of in that funk, right? Or they're getting their butt kicked a lot. Like, go back and look at the things you have and be appreciative. Because what I realized is, man, I was really depressed. I was. And I just got in the habit of looking at the bad side of everything. And that's what depression was for me. Everything I looked at, I looked at the negative part. I learned one of the best lessons of my life. I got into philosophy a lot. It was one of the things that got me out of that hole as to what I think about that time in my life being just this dark pit I was in. And one of the things that gave me a flashlight down there was studying some stoicism. 
so Dude, obstacles freaking... away, right? He goes the enemy, all that, man. I'm really into all that stuff. Marcus Aurelius, one of the guys I read his journal so much. It's part of my daily routine. So stoicism is one of the things that got me out. Yes, yes. That's one of the Dude. things I'm in all the time. That and uh, Chop Wood, Carry Water. That's part of my daily routine. I don't know that one. I, I don't know if you caught this. That was the That's the book I usually give to people. I gave that book to to brands in the interview because I love Ryan Holiday, dude. Obstacles Away, it's the one I gave uh, him. Yeah, he's uh, Obstacles Away is in my top five of like shaping who I am, not just as a coach but as a man too. It's definitely in my top five. Something I go and use it as a resource all the time. What are a few others? But doing some of those. Um, let's see, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's probably the foundation. I had a great mentor, Charles Pike, that introduced that to me. Um, and basically the premise is you become independent, you become interdependent, and you develop skills in your life to keep you doing those things and get better at it and improve. Uh, chop wood, carry water. That's the next one. That's my father to a T. It was really the way I was raised. And it's, uh, really the, if you haven't read that, it's an easy read. It'll take you an afternoon. Like you're going to digest it. And it'll probably be one of your favorites, man. It's, uh, man, it's what, it's the path I'm on in my life. It's what I want to do. It's a long term process driven. And the results will be the results, man. The results are a reflection of how well you live your life. So that's definitely in there for me. Obstacles away is in there. Um, I use the tipping point a lot uh, for trying to find advantages and things where maybe they're not as systemized, right? I'm I'm an applied mathematics major, so system analysis, analyzation, I'm just kind of wired that way. So looking at places you can gain an advantage and get past that tipping point where magical things start happening. That's one of the ones that I've gone to a lot. Um, Outliers, that was one of my first like self-improvement books I read. So that's in there for me too. Just more of a nostalgia. I got a lot of good memories about that book because that's really where the healing process started for me when I was like, okay, coaching's not a hobby. This is a profession for me and it's something I'm going to actively try and get better at. So back to your question, man, it took a few months, really. I'd, I'd probably say it was a full year process to where I was in the dark and I got pointed back in the right direction and started making some progress forward. And then really one of the reasons I love the compound so much is that was part of my healing process, man. That's where I took all the pain and frustration and insecurity and self-doubt and I dumped it into that wrestling mat. And then you start getting better and improving and start gaining more confidence about yourself. And that's one thing Schwab actually helped me out a lot with. I brought him into doing an intensive camp early and I was like, man, I can't tell you what being around you's done. And like, I'm really trying to get better at this. And sent me a message back and he's like, man, you're wasting time. He's like, you're good. Quit worrying about getting better and just be great. And ever since that day, man, it just clicked with me. And that's what I've been trying to do. I know I let all those insecurities go because they're not real, right? That's just my insecurities. That's my hang up on what other people are thinking about me. And come to find out, you know what? Nobody's really thinking about you. There's 7 billion people on earth and everybody's got their own problems. Ain't nobody worried about Lee Roper. So let all those insecurities go. They're not real. It's like being scared of the dark. Now I made a big jump after that. And that, so that was the turning point, it sounds like. And you remind me a lot of myself, Lee, because I will send anyone a cold email or a cold message and oh, it heck seems yeah. like you do the same and, and you sent that to Schwab and he sent that back and you're like, all right, I, you know what? I am, you know, qualified to do this. I, I'm ready to go now. And so that was a big turning point. And then you're mentioning something else where, I don't know if you've read a book called The Four Agreements. No, I haven't. So Tom, I found out about this because I'm a huge, even though I'm a Bears fan, I love Tom Brady. I just love watching and following people who are ultra successful. And he reads the four agreements every year. 
And so once I heard that, that was all I needed to hear. And so I picked it up. The first part of it's a little, a little hokey, but the bottom line is there's four agreements and the first three are the most important. And this, so it's be impeccable with your words. So you choose your words carefully. The second is don't make assumptions and three, don't take things personally. And the second and third have really been huge for me. And it's something I work on every day, but you know, don't make assumptions because a lot of those limiting beliefs, the ones you were just talking about and that we all go through, they come out of assumptions that we make with ourselves that no one else even knows about. <laughs> like you were just assuming oh, that absolutely. you had, you know what I mean? It's like you were just assuming that yeah. you weren't qualified or, or weren't ready to, to start coaching or whatever it was. You, maybe if I'm not getting it specifically, that's kind of the gist of it, right? So like these assumptions you're making in your head, no one else even knows about them. Or you see a social media post and you start to make all these assumptions based on that. And again, these are all just falsely held assumptions. So, you know, they're not making assumptions and not taking things personally. Those are two things that really I try to think of every day. And it's really hard to implement, but just kind of came to me as you were saying that. Uh, I'm definitely going to pick that up, man. I'm going to be out on the road recruiting here pretty soon. And I'll get a, I'll have, I got a book to read on that, those travel days now. That's good, man. That sounds right up my alley. Man, it, so much of what you talked about those assumptions, man. That's so much of one of my motivations for what I do, man. Like, one of the things I'm really proud of in a real way is go look at my, like, go look at my bio, man. Like, look at what I've done as a competitor in wrestling. And it doesn't fit with my peers now, right? The people that have the same job title I do. I'm kind of the outlier in that is I wasn't an All-American. I wasn't a national champion. I had a pretty good wrestling career, right? I did okay, but man, I wasn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great wrestler. I was just a pretty average college wrestler. And one of my motivations is there's a lot of guys out there that don't have the credentials, right? That assume they can't reach a certain level in this sport coaching because they don't have the competitive credentials. So one of my motivations is to go to bat for those guys, because that's who I identify with, man. I identify with the guy in the room that struggles more than he has success. And I want to show those guys, no matter what you do as a competitor, man, if you dump your passion and love and everything you got into it, you can take anything to the highest. There are no limiting beliefs other than what we believe ourselves. So that's one of the reasons it gets me out of bed, killing it every day, man. Like I want to show people you can do it. Like, look, I'm a nobody from nowhere. You'll hear me say that a lot. That's my bio sheet. I'm a nobody <laughs> from nowhere, but I'm a national champ at loving this sport, man. And that's what gets me by. I love it more than everybody else. And that's my strength. Find your strength, play it the best you can. Keep climbing the ladder. Amen. On the fact that, there are wrestlers who weren't all Americans, but for some reason have an assumption that they can't coach at the highest level. Like Bill Belichick never played pro ball. Um, it's like you don't have to have those wrestling credentials. And for some reason, wrestling is behind other sports in this thought process, in my opinion, in the sense that there's a perception that you have to be a great wrestler to be a great coach. And it doesn't hurt. It certainly can help, no. but it's not the rule. And Again, the greatest football coach of all time. I don't even think. I think he played center. Bill Belichick played center at a Division two or three school, and just became a student of coaching. Um, same thing with Nick Saban. I don't know if he even played in the NFL. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't. But they, you know what I mean. They're not known for their playing career. Gable is the outlier, in my opinion, um, in terms of great wrestlers and great coaches. John Smith, of course, but. I just love that you stand for that. Yeah, for sure. No, man, it, it, I'm, I'm with you, man. There's so many of those guys you talked about are guys that have kept me going, right? I think about the football coaches and most of those guys weren't the best ones. And 
And man, it definitely can help because you understand what the highest level is, right? So that's one of the reasons I'm around Doug. I didn't know what winning an NCAA title entailed. I'd never been around anybody on an intimate level that did it or understood it. So it's one of the things I've learned from him since I've been up here. But it also can get in the way too, right? Because you have a lot of success. So you have a way that it's supposed to be done because that's the way you did it. You develop some affinity for certain things. And that's one of the biggest advantages I have is I had no right way to do it. <laughs> I wasn't shown away. I didn't have a wrestling mentor until I got around Doug. So it was a lot of my own journey. And that, like I said, it's, it's anything in life, man. You can turn anything into a strength if you put enough passion and time into it. So that's one of the reasons I'm getting after this thing, man. So guys yes, know sir. they can do it. And I think the key to all of this is self-reflection, taking some time to understand what you actually like and what your strengths are. And then if those two happen to mesh up, you're dynamite. You know, if you're good at what you like, what a what a gift that is. But really taking some time to step back and, and kind of analyze yourself uh, is something you obviously did. And, and the weird thing is it usually takes moments of extreme pain to bring that out. And so that's why you know, people are grateful for obstacles or grateful for things that yeah, at the time seemed really terrible, but in the long run, it helped them out. But it just seems that those moments create the window for self-reflection more so than anything else oh it does man because that that does get you looking internally a lot more than when things are going well it's like man i don't i don't really like my life right now like how do i change it but i'm with you man i I think self-reflection i wish it was taught in school if i had another job other than wrestling that's what i would want it to be it's help people understand themselves better it's one of the things i try and do as a coach a lot because everybody's different right i mean there's from like you said david taylor's to Gilman's like there's a wide range of personalities in our sport nobody you don't have to fit a mold right again go find out what your strengths are and learn how to make them work for what you want like how can you use one of the reasons Foster Drew Foster's a national champ is because he handles pressure better than most people have ever been around and he learned how to use that for big moments in wrestling he's also just very quality character man and the reason he won a national title he lost on senior night man and that made him do some reflection about getting back to his roots and wrestling as drew foster not the picture if he created as drew foster and what society had created as him as being him like true to himself and oh i forgot him one of my it's probably my second all-time book is art of learning and that's what it's all about man mm. finding out about yourself macro learning and then apply it to everything that you want to do in life so it, that's another one man that i constantly go back to and that's what that i used as a resource for for Foster, when he kind of got off track a little bit, we met for coffee and just reminded him of who he was. And it was just really that simple. But like, hey, man, this is what you told me you stand for. And some stories that he talked about growing up that impacted him. Oh, if you hadn't read The Art of Learning, get it. You'll love it. It's what you're doing, man. Macro lessons for life. Like, that's what your podcast is about. Yeah. It's taking the lessons people learn from wrestling and putting it out in the world to get better at whatever it is. Business owner, dad, whatever, man. All the stuff. That's what you're doing. Thank you are you, the art man. of learning right now. I I appreciate that, and I I'm intrigued by the story about Drew Foster. So he lost on senior night. At yeah. Wow. What was the school? Do you remember who you who he wrestled? Um, who were we wrestling? Iowa State, maybe. Okay. So he. I think it might have been Iowa State. And is he a senior or is he coming him. back? No, he was a senior last year, okay. so it was like his senior night, right? His moment, and the cool thing is, if you watch any videos about that, and you see him celebrating at the end of the match, or heavyweight had a really good overtime win, 
or rode out in the third period to win. Um, Foster celebrates harder than anybody else. And that just goes back to how he was raised, man. That's his mom and dad. He's got unbelievable support system. He's a very fine quality man. If I have a son one day and he's Drew Foster, I'll be proudest dad on the planet. Wow. And then he went to win the Nationals unseated, I believe, or maybe seated. Was he seated? Yeah, he was or... seated. He was? Okay. Yeah, he was seated. Okay. But, but an extremely big upset to the wrestling world. And I'll admit, I didn't know a lot about him, if anything, before that national finals. And it's great to see those stories. It's also great to see some of the some of the programs outside of Iowa, Oklahoma State, and Penn State get some national champions. I, I'm all about it. And I love it. Now, well, two we're going to try and make sure there's purple out there every year. Let's so go, we'll man. keep trying to do our job on that end. I'm, I'm <laughs> excited for it. I love the Wisconsin duel too. I think that's a great new thing. That's hopefully going to keep going. Uh, yeah, we got, we're going to do that for four years at least. So that'll be a lot of, that'll be a good rivalry. Man, it was, I, I've had Bono and Reader on and they remind me a lot of kind of the thing you guys got going at you and I, just a really gritty blue collar Tampa work ethic. So can't wait to see that happen. And, and obviously the season unfold couple of things I, I have to ask, you know, when you started Compound, how did you, or when you and Cliff started, I don't even know the story. How did you end up meeting this crazy guy, Cliff Fretwell, who now is, I'm slowly bringing him into my inner circles and I'm, I'm kind of doing everything I can just to get as much information from him because I love that guy. How did you meet Cliff Fretwell? Well, before that, I'll say sprint and don't slowly bring him in, sprint that dude into your inner circle, man. I, he's a, I, you're around him for a little bit and you realize how amazing a person he is, man. And I, man, I owe a lot to that guy. I really have not just for man being there together and supporting me, but the pressure he put on me too, man, he puts everything on social media. Right. So as a guy who was a terrible coach in the beginning, I had to get to my act together pretty fast. Cause he always had a camera in my face, sending it out to the 9,000 million followers he's got and done a great job cultivating on his social site. So Man, get that dude in your circle. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Well, it was say, the best thing I ever did in my life. I say slow playing it because I'm trying to act like, trying to act like I'm not, you know, trying to play it cool a little bit. But no, dude, I'm trying to go all the way in with that guy. He he knows so much right. and he's so willing to share. But it's kind of like you got a you got a girl you got a crush on. You can't go in right away. You got to slow play it. So I'm kind of slow playing it. But now he's he's just super open with all his knowledge and yeah, he's just another guy you talk to him and. After the podcast we did for about thirty minutes, I was fired up, just ready to go. So, how did you? How did you come yeah. in contact with him? Fate, really. It's just two guys that love wrestling in the same state. Man, we were gonna get together. It's just the way it was gonna be. And there was a little bit of connection to his son Anthony, who was an unbelievable wrestler. Wrestled at Indiana. He had the pin record in Georgia for a while too. He was my size, and I just got out of college, and I was a good workout partner for him. So just two wrestling nuts that loved it and a guy who could work out and help his kid a little bit, man. It was just one of those things that was going to happen. It was meant to be. And, uh, I remember, man, it was probably four in the morning and I had just met this dude and four in the morning. And we've been texting back and forth all day long. I mean, thousand text messages back and forth in that day and reflecting back on it, man, just realized it was one of those relationships that right off the bat, I knew it was going to change my life and just, same way as you, man. I worked really hard to keep that guy in my life for a lot of years and still do now, even though there's about 843 miles separating us, man. It's just about <laughs> a daily. Get some Fretwell in your life. just makes you better. No question. And you guys started Compound and brew it to just an, an unbelievable dynasty. And what I love is that 
Georgia isn't a state you think of as a powerhouse state, but that's changing. I mean, you guys alone produced 13 guys that went on to D1. And, you know, a, a few guys are at UNI now, Joey Lazard, Hodges, and Lujan. You know, yep. what was it like watching Lazar earn that All-American status back uh, back in was uh, it 2014? Because that bracket was loaded. It had Rutherford, Stever, and those yeah. guys were on the bottom side. It was uh, it was really cool because I I didn't spend a lot of time developing him on the map. We had a really good relationship, and like I coached him at Super Thirty Two some, and I remember asking his high school coach like, "Hey, what do you like? What do you want me to focus on?" He's like, "I got no idea what he does." And very quickly, I was like, "Oh, I see. This guy's all over the place." So developed a really good relationship over a lot of years. So man, just knowing what he put into it, how much he cared about it, man, it was a great moment just to see the smile on his face and knew the, some of the struggles he had in college too, man, for him to realize that goal that just about everybody has, they set out on. So it was a great moment for a guy I care a lot about, man. And just seeing the smile on his face, man, it was a, it was a really cool thing to him run up. We were actually sitting on press row when he did it. Somehow we finagled our way into of course you guys do. doing Cliff and Fretwell stuff. I mean, Fretwell and Roper stuff. So he ran up there and gave us a hug and it was just a good moment in my life, man. It's one of those things you'll remember for a long time. So it was just, really cool to see a guy accomplish what he set out to do. And that's, that's the rewarding part of coaching, right? Is to see guys pour their heart and soul into something and see the reward out of it. And then you always get the reward because most of them realize later on the lessons they've got from wrestling and how it's made them grow. But to see them accomplish it tangibly with that plaque or that moment, man, it's a cool thing. Super cool. So great moment, man. Something I'll remember forever. Just going after inside trips and overtime, and that's Joey set his hair on fire. See what happens. <laughs> well, it's the satisfaction you get as a coach is really hard to describe, and it's mainly because that bond you you built, right? I mean, wrestling doesn't compare to war, but you know, people who are in war together feel like they have closer relationships than they do with their own family. And in a wrestling season, not you know, it's not even close to war, but it's a serious grind. And that conversation you had with Drew Foster at that coffee shop, it's probably mid-February, freezing cold outside. You've been cutting weight and wrestling for six months. That guy's at a low spot, and you're there to pick him back up and just be there for him emotionally. So that kind of stuff is extremely rewarding. And then to see it all pay off the way it did, man, what a uh, what an experience that must have been like for you. Yeah, man, it's just good to support guys. And like I say with Drew, it's just, I mean, it wasn't anything special. It just reminded him of how special he was, right? You see it every day and the way he lives his life. All you got to do is remind him of that sometimes because we all get lost, right? You've been there. I've been there. Doug's been there. Everybody. The Gable's been there. Everybody's been there. Yeah. So, man, that is a rewarding thing just to be able to remind guys like, hey, you're living your life better than 99.9% of the 7 billion people on earth. Like, go out and give it your best, and we're going to be in good shape if you do that. Yep, yep. And now just a three questions as we wind things down here. The first, I have to come back to this. You mentioned at the beginning, you do your journaling where you, you will journal at night and then That's right. stop and, and kind of ask your subconscious to work on a question and then journal the next morning. When do you, I guess, when do you start journaling the next morning? Right when you wake up or after you walk your dogs and then two, how did you kind of come by this? Um, Tim Ferriss podcast and listening to the people he and talked yeah. li- like interviewed and it was like, that's one of the reasons I meditate so much too, is like, okay, you're talk- start talking about 80% of the people that are at a really high level that I'm trying to get to are doing this habit. There's something to it. So let me give it a shot. And it became something that's part of 
keeping me sane because I'm I got a really overactive mind and man if I leave thoughts in there too long they'll drive me crazy like where I won't sleep at night I'll just be up all night not even tired at all so it's a healthy habit for me and that with meditation keeps me sane on this insane pursuit that I'm on in life so it is I've I've been doing it for a long time and I really don't remember when it exactly got developed but I know I got it from listening to Ferris podcast and a lot of the people and it's such a big part of his life he's a guy that I've studied pretty closely and gotten some of those habits from him because that's what he did right so he I set off to do no? the podcast in the first place yeah 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 absolutely he was at world team trials with gable not too long ago when i was at uh, iowa city he was sitting down there with gable front row dude that's a that's my that's a guy i gotta get on this eventually he's a tough guy to get a hold of i mean <laughs> unbelievably yeah, he's fairly tough. busy but uh but i'm with you man my cousin who's 21 just moved in with me for a few months he's moving to chicago and gonna be going to school up here and so just kind of getting his feet underneath him and I can only hope that eventually he starts picking up on some of the habits you and I are doing every day. The meditation is huge. I, I can't go through, I can't go two days in a row without meditating. I will be so tight and anxious. And then the journaling, it kind of, you take all those thoughts from meditation, you throw them down on paper and get them out of your head so you can move on to the next thing. For sure, man. And we, uh, really what I've done is I've taken a lot of the habits I had athletically, right? We're really good at training our body, but training our mind, that's a little bit slipperier slope. And I've just done the exact same thing. So for me, the meditation's rehab, right? I do a lot of damage to my mind during the day with how much I'm dumping in with trying to get better and the frustration and the struggle. And then you've got it with athletes too. They don't achieve their goals. There's a lot of pain there. So that's like the, you've heard them talk about the warm bath for your mind. That's what it is for me, man. It's my rehabilitation to put those pieces back together and get it healing. The rest after a hard lift. Yep. And to that end, have you ever read the book Mind Gym? Yes. Yep. I have. Freaking well. I got uh, that from uh, Michael Chandler. I love that book. And that, that highlight reel you're talking about, that's like a key technique yeah. in there. So man, you, we are just, on, we are in lockstep on a lot of this shit, man. I love it. Um, I tell you what, one of the things I wonder about mine, Jim, I wonder, cause I see some of the things put into practice physically with some of the Penn state guys. I wonder if that's one of the things they are using for philosophy with guys too. And I mean, right. They, they compete more free than any other team. That's what we're all looking for. They do perspective better than anybody. I wonder if mine, Jim, I've got a, I, I don't think he's so competitive. I don't know if he'd tell me or not, but that's one of the questions I have for Sanderson, if they're using that as some of the basis for what they do with athletes, see some of the same physical stuff that's in that book come out in their athletes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, what you said right there in passing is something I think a lot of people sleep on is the perspective, Like They, are loose and free because they put things in perspective. And I just didn't want to gl- kind of gloss over that because when you said it, I was like, shit, that's exactly right. That's that's a profound thing to say, but that's right. I mean, that is. And then the gratitude, they're big on gratitude. Right. You know, um, can't have two thoughts at the same time, right? So if right. you're grateful and happy for what you have, you can't be nervous or scared or angry or any of that, right? So yeah, be thankful for what you have. Right. And then just the, the Two more here. And the last one is always how did wrestling change your life? So, you know, that one's coming. But this one is what yep. have you learned from Coach Schwab just in the short time working with him day in and day out? Man, that's a tough question because it's a whole bucket full of stuff. Let's see what the most important thing. I guess probably the reinforcement that passion wins. That's the that's the underlying thing that almost every successful person has is this unbelievable passion for whatever it is, right? It could be your athletes, it could be wrestling, it could be winning, it could be an unhealthy place, but it's passion that what drives greatness. And see that guy demonstrated every day, and 
really, man, that's it. Just putting it into practice every day. Whatever you want, you got to live it. You can't just say it. You can't just write it in your journal. You've got to put it into practice. So, so like a cliche thing that I like to talk about, the best thing I've learned from him is turning nouns into verbs. So everybody has nouns, right? That's what their goals are. They have things that they want to achieve. They have the the house or the plaque or the trophy or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But the trick to that, the tipping point, you go back to a book I use a lot to get what you want is turning those nouns into action, into verbs in your life. So probably a, a really effective way to do that is what I've gotten from Doug and just living the life the best way you can. Everything matters. Relationship, the way you talk to your kids, it all makes this coaching pursuit better. So man, live your life really, really well. And I know that's a general cliche thing, but cliches are cliches for a reason. They've been around and have a lot of truth. So live your life really well, make an impact on the people around you, serve others. Great things are going to happen. That's that man in a nutshell. And just get to see it every day and try and follow his lead as much as I can. Passion wins, baby. That's going to be the title of this episode. Last question, Lee Roper. How did wrestling change your life? Or just what it, when you think about what it's done for you, we talked a lot about kind of coming through your twenties and, and turning the page tree there, but how would you uh, how would you answer, sir? Everything, man. Taught me how to work hard. Taught me how to sacrifice. Taught me how to love. Taught me how to be a good friend. Taught me how to be a husband. Taught me how to have passion. Taught me how to heal myself. It's everything, man. Like all the lessons that I've learned in life, wrestling's been the vehicle for me to learn them. So that's one of the reasons I'm fanatical about it, man. I, it is everything for me. And I'm going to keep it that way as long as I can keep a job and nothing happens where I can't do it anymore, man. It's the, it is my service. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be involved in wrestling. Like I say, there's too many happy accidents for something bigger than me not to be orchestrating some of this that's happening in my life. So how did wrestling change my life, man? It just became my life. And I'm trying to help others and myself through this unbelievably great sport that I love so much. Amen to that, Lee. And there's no question you've changed more lives than most people in in the sport just through compounding and through what you're doing at UNI. So this is going to help a lot too. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I might even post this bad boy today. I'm just so excited about this conversation. I got to get it out. So thank you very much, sir. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great day, man. Yeah, man. You do the same. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.